Welcome to the last lap podcast. Welcome to the last lap podcast. Welcome everybody to the Last Lap Podcast. I'm your host Andrew Pearson, and alongside me, as always, is my colleague Sean Gray. Hello. That is the Last Lap Podcast. A damn sight more enjoyable than judging by Nico Rosberg's face than it was drinking out of Daniel Ricciardo's shoe. <laughs> we are here with our uh, latest episode to look at the Malaysian Grand Prix. Welcome to Sepang for the Malaysian Grand Prix. On the calendar since 1999, this 3.4-mile-15-corner circuit has a top speed of around 200 miles an hour, with the current lap record of 134.223 set by the Williams of Juan Pablo Montoya in 2004. As with the last race in Singapore, a challenge here is the humidity, coupled with a potential for torrential downpours. One such cloudburst occurred in 2009, with the race being abandoned after 31 laps instead of the planned 56, after the rain and fading light following a later start. This was also the place where Sebastian Vettel let out his ruthless side, disobeying Red Bull team orders to stay behind his teammate Mark Webber, overtaking him to take the win for himself, otherwise known as a multi-21 gate. The 10-year podium has Alonso in third, Vettel in second and Hamilton in first, Lewis on the top step despite Vettel actually holding the most number of wins around here, with four. The battle between Hamilton and Rosberg is truly on, with the championship beginning to swing one way and then the other. So can Rosberg maintain his momentum, or can Lewis begin to fight back? Let's find out with Andrew and Sean. And it was a bit of a treat, uh, really. Um... Well... Depending on what side of the fence. Well, is okay. <laughs> All right. Some people are going to be very desperately un- unhappy. What I mean was, in terms of at least the spectacle of the race, it as was the, as the neutral fan. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. No, it was good. Oh, it usually is a good one, though, isn't it? You know. It's. It was funny at the start of the race. Um, I think it, it was either Martin Brundle or David Croft pointed out that this is like the the um thirteenth year of the Malaysian Grand Prix. More and than that, 17. 17, was it? Oh, yep. blimey, well, there you go. Even you think, it's Which funny, is isn't mental, it? isn't it, it how, how quickly the time has gone? Because I remember the first one like pretty clearly. So that's a little bit terrifying. But, but yeah, 17 years, 99 it was. So 17, Gosh. yeah. Yeah. And uh, it, it's kind of built itself into a little bit of a... I mean, it's not always the greatest race, let's let's be fair. But it has it has certainly turned up a few sparkling editions or you know um of the race always known for uh when it's wet it's really wet which you know generally means that you'll, you'll have a few interesting races but it's a it's a decent racetrack really isn't it all it in is all. Um, and it's it, you know it's not a it's not a monza or a spa or a silverstone it's not a classic what you would a historic track it, it, it is a modern track in the same way that you know Bahrain, etc., are in that sense. It's closer related to Bahrain than it is to Silverstone, Spa, etc. But it, it, it definitely leans towards those those classic tracks more in terms of the type of quality that that you get here. I've I've always liked this track, always ever since it first since it first came on the scene. You know, you've got the it just it leans itself to good Grand Prix. It's got an interesting first corner. It's got opportunities to overtake into the last corner. 
few other uh, interesting uh, corners on the track. It, it lends itself to good races in general. And then throw into the fact that the weather can be completely mental. Uh, then, yeah, it's, you, you generally nine times out of ten get a good one here. Yeah. Um, and it's a... Uh, it's, uh, it's also a track that has a, a reasonable amount of sort of car demand on it as well. So um, excluding what happened in this race, it, it, it can be uh, attritional at times. Um, you know, certainly long straights into heartbreaking zones, that last, you know, uh, that last critical turn onto the start-finish straight. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, you've usually earned it if you get the victory here. You know? Yeah. I mean... You know, if, if if the drivers earned it because it's an extremely physically demanding racetrack, but the you know the cars earned it as well by managing to sustain punishment and the and the and the the conditions. And either and it'll either be you're going to get one of two things: you're going to get torrential rain, in which case fair play for keeping it on the racetrack, or you're going to get searing heat, in which case you know well done for not breaking down. But either way, you know you, you get to the finish and get on that podium, you've 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 generally earned it. Now, I can already hear people going, "Oh, but." Nico didn't earn it because Lewis broke down and he wouldn't have got on the podium if he hadn't and blah blah and yeah well maybe so but uh, but then way, again you could equally you can say well if Sebastian Vettel doesn't um, spin yeah. Nico in the first corner he wins the race so <laughs> if the ultimate thing is that Lewis would have always broken down then that's it isn't it realistically yeah uh, judging by how far ahead he was you'd have to assume that the second Mercedes would also be that far ahead in theory yeah totally yeah same anyway Lewis, though, Lewis did look mighty all weekend so we'll well, sp- probably start with him I mean he puts it on pole position he's, he's quickest in practice etc he's, he's what half a second uh, quicker than the Nico in qualifying I think so I don't think I wouldn't even attempt to argue that that Nico was on on par with him at this weekend up until the until the first corner incident with, with Vettel it was it was clearly looking like Lewis was on it was on yeah. a going. You'd, so, you'd have you'd have better than Merck one two with Lewis in front this weekend. Yeah, hundred percent. He's, he's done that. Like he's style. done that a couple of times this season, hasn't he? Where he's just looked untouchable all weekend, and he, he does seem capable of, of bringing that through into the race, which is something that maybe Nico hasn't quite done. You see, Nico sometimes gets a you know good FP one and FP two, and then in FP three it's closer, and then by the time it comes to qualifying, Lewis out qualifies him, and you think, well. Where did that pace go from the you know your initial runs, which should have been the more difficult runs? Um, so, yeah, it's hard to hard to argue that that Lewis probably had that one in the bag. Although, um, it, it was interesting, really, wasn't it? That at the point um, where the sort of failure occurred, he was having to open up a gap to the Red Bulls um, to be able to make yeah, a pit I mean, stop. Well, it wasn't. It was, he, they weren't quite comfortable enough to just go. Uh, that's fine. We can get to the end of the ra- you know end of the yeah. race on these tires, and it'll be absolutely fine. And um, we're so from far a, ahead. From a strategy point of view, it was uh, there was a lot of interesting stuff going on when Lewis had his his big engine blowout. Um, I'm not 100 percent sure what lap it was on, but it was certainly at the point of the race where he was being forced to, like you say, open up a gap. And it, uh, just strategically, it all sort of stemmed from from Max doing the the early stop. Uh, and 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 looking to to essentially undercut both uh, both Ricardo and and Lewis and and that 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 gave us something to sort of keep an eye on throughout the first sort of half of the race as as would 
would Max ultimately come out in front of Lewis or would Lewis need to stop again? Would Lewis have to pass Max on the track, perhaps on a fresher set of tyres, but, you know, lost track position, that kind of thing. And it looked like we were all setting up for a situation where either Lewis was going to need to bang in five or six quality laps to come out ahead of Max or do the stop, come out behind him, but then have to pass him on track. And it seemed to all be building to that, where Max and Lewis sort of duel for for the front and then uh, obviously it all went bang for, for Lewis and, that, and that, that was it, that was all she wrote uh, at which point virtual safety car comes out, everybody pits under the virtual safety car and anything that was happening interestingly strategy wise got kind of got, it, got it resettled. slightly neutralised it didn't it um, yeah. realistically the only thing that kind of happened was that Jensen Button lost out massively um, I mean, so what, what ultimately ended up happening was the Red Bulls double stacked under the virtual safety car. It's interesting. Wait. When was the last time you remember a, a team double stacking their cars? Other than I think, did they do it at Monaco? Did they double stack at Monaco? I've got a terrible memory for that kind of thing, so I'm not sure. I, I, I don't particularly remember the last time I saw a team double stack like that uh, in a race um, when there wasn't an actual safety car. I've never seen it. Certainly, never seen it under the virtual safety car. And I know yeah. we've only had a season of that, but it's so unusual to see that, isn't it? They usually just keep them out for a lap. But, yeah. Um, Even under the virtual safety car, like that's well, Max pitted in the, under the original virtual safety car at the beginning of the race for whose accident? I can't remember who. Um, there was a virtual safety car and and. It'd be uh, Seb, wouldn't it? No, he was already out. Oh no, of course, yeah, of course he was. So um, we've been. Grosjean, Grosjean's brakes? Yeah, correct, yeah. Is it? Uh, yeah, it must have been because yeah. he was everybody, on lap Everybody else after that retired, didn't they? There yeah. weren't any other questions. He was on lap seven when Grosjean uh, brake failure went. So so Max stopped early, proper early, under the virtual safety car. But in doing that, because he did it under the virtual safety car, it's obviously not as, not as profitable as if you do it under a, a proper safety car. But it's still pretty useful to you and he ended up making up like 15 seconds gonna say, something. Yeah, it's so. about half the, the half the pain of a normal pit stop isn't it yeah so so it allowed him to just yeah sure he had the a set of tires on that weren't at the optimum you know time to be having them on but it 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 stolen a chunk of time out of nothing basically and it just it, it put the pressure on all the guys up front they they instead of just doing the doing the old oh we'll stop then you stop and will kind of just go two by two to the finish line. And if somebody manages to pass somebody on track, then fair enough. But without really, you know, the way that Williams seemed to do it a couple of years ago when they were sort of challenging the Mercedes, they didn't really force the strategy. And we criticised them at the time for not taking it to them from a strategically point of view. That's the opposite of what Max did here. He took it to them and, and it, it just forced Lewis's team and even uh, Danny, Danny internally in the Red Bull to just have a look over their shoulder and say, OK, well, What's going on here with Max? You know, are we gonna are we gonna have to watch out for him? And as it turned out, they did. Lewis had to bang in some good laps to 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 make the gap to to get to get out back in front of him. And then uh, in the end, his, his engine went. So, do you think? Is there anything to suggest that because they put the pressure on him that that influenced the engine going? Did he crank up the the heat on that engine or would you think it was just pure coincidence and, and you know nothing could have been done from Lewis's point of view I I don't know uh, I, I I always have a tendency to think that when things fail like that spectacularly um, 
it's going to happen. Always yeah. Usually when uh, they kind of just go clunk and stop, don't they, when they sort of overheat and stuff. They, they just lose power. Something burns through or burns out and they just go, oh, loss of power, loss of power. This was the first time I remember seeing one of these, you know, for a long time, seeing a proper big blowout with smoke and everything out the back mm. and fire and everything. Not You don't see a lot of them in modern Formula One, particularly with these engines. And that would kind of bring me on to my next point of what Lewis had to say after the race. You know, the the, the conspiracy comments about how it always seems to be his engines going. And he does make a point in the sense that there are eight powered Mercedes cars on the track and it does seem to be him that does seem to be having the failures. However, having said that, do I honestly believe that a multi-billion-pound company like Mercedes-Benz was intentionally prevent one of their cars not only winning a championship, but then also showing to the world, "Hey, look, we're a car manufacturer that makes unreliable cars." Do you honestly think that's going to be the case? The interesting no. thing is, is that so, there were there are two other things to that. Um, one which they pointed out on commentary, which is that it, uh, the Malaysian Grand Prix is their main title sponsor, exactly, home exactly. race. So it's like there is no way that they wanted to have unreliability show up at that thing. Exactly. And, and the second thing, and this didn't wasn't massively widely reported, and it's only because I happened to catch it on Twitter. Um, Mercedes kind of put out a press release pointing out that they want to start putting a road version of their F1 engine in a road car mm-hmm. yeah so i quite believe that yeah. at the point that you're i mean and, and exactly why wouldn't they they've built this great hybrid system that if they could shrink it down into a sort of car thing would probably be quite amazing if you think about how efficient a uh, formula one engine is and the speed that they can get out of it um but they've if they've just announced this this concept of you know taking f1 technology and putting it in a road car quite literally supplanting <laughs> it why would you want the next thing that is said about the engine is <laughs> oh yeah it's great. You can have it in your football, in your in your road car, but it'll just randomly explode every now and again if you press <laughs> the wrong button. Yeah, no, exactly. One hundred percent agree. Uh, so yeah, whilst Lewis does make a fair point, it does seem to be him more than anybody else. I am, without question, putting it down to just sheer bad luck and coincidence for Lewis Hamilton. I'm not having a team like Mercedes Benz intentionally well, sabotaging their team i just i can't but I, I refuse to believe that um and i think you have to look at it and say if they could do that if they could do that why during the middle of the season did they let lewis you know get the lead back in the championship if they can just blow up his car every now and again why in austria when he was chasing down nico did they not go hmm let's blow the engine now and that way nico can finish first and we don't have to worry about it huzzah do you know what I mean? It's like too many yeah, times why, why, would it have been would much easier to have blown yeah. up Lewis's car to let Nico win than then when he finished third. True. Yeah, <laughs> like it's true. a really it's a really retarded time <laughs> to be able to use your blow up a car button. <laughs> yeah, your blow up a car button, goodness me. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's the most amazing thing, wouldn't it? Can you can you imagine trying to sneak that <laughs> past the FIA scrutineers. Uh, and what does this button do? Uh, what's the label on it? It says it's the blow up the car button. Uh, yeah, it auto inflates the tires. I think that's it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Fantastic. So, yeah, no doubt about it. It's shocking luck for Lewis. And actually, when it first happened, I'm at 
I was celebrating. <laughs> I was, uh, I was, I was. Don't extre- tell people that, Sean. For goodness' sake, when they're near the end of it. Extremely happy. Um, eight o'clock in the morning, watching a watching a Grand Prix live in the morning. You know, probably woke my neighbours up cheering. But um, I, I was I obviously ha- I'm happy because I'm, I'm I want Nico Rosberg to win the world championship. But seeing Lewis, hearing Lewis's radio message actually, where he just went, no, no. I felt I did. I felt bad for him, even though I'm not his biggest fan. I did. I felt bad for him because it is, it has been rotten luck, and I did. Yeah. Gen, I, I did feel genuine sympathy for him. It's also other, another thing that's worth kind of pointing out. <clears throat> this is actually the first time I think uh, reliability has completely cost him the chance of scoring points this season. Yeah, most He's, of the time it's been a qualifying. Yeah, think. or in free practice uh, or something like that. Um, He's not been prevented from scoring points um, by reliability. You know, obviously there was the coming together in Spain, which isn't a mechanical issue, unless you count Nico being in the wrong <laughs> engine setting being uh, a mechanical issue. Uh, and as you say, the rest are qualifying. And as as it's been shown, that Mercedes can go from the back of the grid up to second with, with you know, very little cause for thought to think it can't do that. So... Um, and somebody <clears throat> tweeted something saying that actually, if you look at it over time, there's never been a season where for pure and, you know, I, I, we take take all of these stats with a pinch of salt because you can add in things here and other take away things. But in terms of DNFs due to mechanical failure, there's not been a season where Lewis has had more DNFs uh, during a race than Nico has. So actual chances to not, you know, chances of points taken away completely within a race it's still happened to Nico more than it has to Lewis this season is odd it's it is really odd that it is just happening to him but you just don't know you don't know it's Formula One they're complex machines you know I remember Sebastian Vettel blowing up in a Red Bull I can't remember what track it was uh when he was was on course to for a championship and he ultimately ended up winning the championship but you know it, it happens you know what about when we talked about um when it was alonso and massa or alonso and kimmy and it was always the second car that was getting the yeah the failures absolutely. and you just went you yeah it's the number two ferrari always ends up with the things and you kind of jokingly looked at it and and, and laughed and say oh well it's because they give all the crap to the number two driver but they're really not going to do that are they they're not realistically going to say hmm this part looks a bit broken best put it in the number two <laughs> engine yeah yeah or they could just put in you know one that works you know like yeah it's, it's it's a chore talking about it because it is so silly. But Lewis is is he? He didn't help he, anybody. Yeah, he didn't saying. help the matters in, in the press conference afterwards and in the interviews. You know, saying things. Like, I mean, it was obviously heat of the moment from well from him. But I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna throw something out that will probably get us in trouble again. But I think his comments in the press circle were in, entirely deliberate. Um, yeah. He very deliberately never said, I think there's a conspiracy. And when asked directly, um, does he think that there is a conspiracy that somebody was doing it to him? He never answered the question directly, but he made sure he made enough veiled comments about someone or something doesn't want me to win. Yep. Without yep. being specific in a that. way that it was plausibly deniable afterwards. You know, nobody can say he actually said that the team were cheating, but the implication so, was all the way through it and it's just like well, that's hard to argue that he definitely did imply it for sure um so 
I, I think he, he he emotions may have been high, but I think he went about saying that very deliberately. What, what, why do you think he would do that then? What's that's his, the bit where Hassan was ta- was talking about that on Twitter with one of our uh, with one of our listeners, and it's really difficult. I, I don't know whether it's a, a fan thing in a way that if he does that, he knows that his army of fans will rally around him, and that is good for him. Good, yeah, good for him to get momentum in the championship then, and yeah. you know have people arguing his cause and making a big deal out of it. Maybe he thinks that will make the people in Mercedes feel that they have to give him better than he's getting now, even if it isn't a conspiracy, that they'll go, oh, well, you know, we can't afford to have our Twitter blogged up with six million idiots telling us that we're screwing Lewis over and stuff like that, and all the negative press that we're getting from that, we better give him doubly the best of absolutely Mm -hmm. everything to make sure. Yep. No. Um, or whether it is just a PR thing, like I, I, I don't know what his ultimate plans are. I don't know whether he, you know, whether he, he even thinks this far ahead. But it would be a way of of getting people to stop being Mercedes Lewis Hamilton fans and just being Lewis fans, of which there are plenty anyway. Um, but if you, if you so I mean, it distances him from being part of the team in the way that Nico is firmly entrenched at Mercedes and as a Mercedes driver. Um, and whether he wants to keep himself completely separate from that so that when he goes and does something else, everybody follows him because they're interested in him and not his, you know, not his Formula One team or Formula One in general. I mean, that's a, probably as, you know, as bad as any conspiracy theory that's going on. But I think it's really hard to argue that he didn't say what he said with very deliberate intentions. I just can't put a finger on what those deliberate intentions were whether it was just to embarrass the team because he was peed off maybe that might have been all it was but he didn't do it by accident he didn't choose those words by accident and repeat them again and again and again to as many people as possible (laughs) do you know what I mean because Mm -hmm. what he really meant was it was God that was (laughs) planning against him so that's Lewis we spent enough time chatting about someone who didn't finish the race so we uh so we talk about the winner, Danny Ricardo. Well-deserved victory after what's happened a few times this season. It was, and I think it, it doesn't it highlight how um, if we had more teams and stuff in line with the championship, the racing could be better and less acrimonious. Because Ricardo and Verstappen fought on track as hard as I've seen anybody fight yep. for any position this it's season. Superb. Um, yeah, it was, it was excellent. But they didn't. They, they never touched, and they never went too far. And after the race, you saw Max jumped jumped out the car and went and gave Daniel a massive hug and was laughing and joking in with him in the room. And you got to think, you know, all those other times that you see people who you know who have fought hard with somebody and they go into the into the room and they're like, "Well, what was that all about?" <laughs> you know, and uh, and all those bits and pieces. And everybody was kind of joking about multi thirty three didn't really work because of the <laughs> the numbering. Um, systems on the car and stuff but um, they um, they just didn't need it and I, that was just so refreshing it was it was nice to see I mean I, I guess Max feels he's probably got more than enough time in this season maybe you know he's not a title winning season so he doesn't ha- he can be more magnanimous I guess possibly but the whole on track action that led to um, a 
cool down room where people were laughing and joking and talking and actually having a discussion about the race instead of being sat in three different corners of the room drinking a bottle of water uh just made it so much more pleasant to watch yep i really enjoyed the the pre-podium room as well christian horner came in and he was having a bit of a joke and a laugh as well with him and he said thanks for you know being sensible and things like that and you know it just it did it was it was it felt good it was a feel-good moment it was great for ricardo he's had monaco was uh taken away from him and he felt like he uh, should have had it in spain but got yeah strategy didn't work out there so yeah i mean he deserved it he's been driving really good all season really consistent and 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 Max was coming at him on track there with with fresher boots and looked like making the pass. It looked like it was you thought it was a case of Max would be able to just storm past, and and they had a cracking on track battle, which in the end Ricardo came out on top. And what then happened was when Lewis's engine went and the and the virtual safety car came out and they and they stacked, Ricardo winning that on track battle for a couple of laps with Max gave him the luxury of coming in first to stop. Which then gave him the luxury, obviously, of being on track had had uh, track position mm-hmm. on on an equal set of tires. So you know th- there wasn't really any hope for Max to pass because they both had same strategy from that point on, and and Danny had track position, and they're both driving the same car. So really, it was going to take something something worldly from from Max to to make it happen from there. But but the reason Danny Ricardo had that was because he fought so hard on on the on the. Uh, inferior set of tires pre- before the stop to keep the position. So, so he, he won this race, yes, through Lewis's uh, Lewis's failure, but also through some some excellent defensive on track driving. So, all all credit to him, and he, and he definitely definitely deserves it. Um, and it's really good to see the Red Bulls just say, like you know, Christian Horner say, you know, keep it sensible, but we're not going to, you know ban them from racing and anything like that and the, and the way that you you kind of got with Vettel and Weber a little bit it seem, seems like you know Max and Danny are going to go out there and there's no it doesn't feel like there's a number one and a number two whereas with Seb and Mark Weber it was always clear Seb was Seb was the guy and Mark Weber was there to mop up when Seb had a failure or come second you know uh, 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 the current Red Bull uh, they're just much more likable as a team now than they were five years ago wouldn't you agree I I, I think the the slight humbling of you know the uh, first season of the hybrid engines kind of uh, I think brought the whole team back to a, a, a point where um, you know they they understood better i think how their perception was in f1 um i think probably reading the whole you know the whole of twitter lighting up every time their car fell and going haha that's for the last four years and all those bits (laughs) and pieces probably sharpened to their minds to going you know maybe we haven't handled everything as well as we could because christian horner seems to be a lot less so much more likable and less yeah just that he just seems more open and like you kind of believe a little bit more about what he's saying now. It always felt that he was a bit sort of robotic, I think about what he said. And I've actually enjoyed listening to Christian Horner. When he comes on screen now, I actually look up and go, okay, cool. I want to hear what Christian has to say. Whereas, you know, five years ago I was turning him off and I don't know whether it is just because they aren't winning anymore. And I'm naturally, I've got another target, so to speak. 
uh, as to who I want to see not win in the sense that I'd like to see Lewis not win the championship. So I don't know whether my, uh, it's me and I've focused elsewhere and just in Red Bull because they aren't competitive, aren't as important now. Probably something to do with that. But at the same time, I genuinely feel that that, that, that the team and Christian has, has definitely come down to earth, like you say, and, 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 and are much more likeable. And when he comes on Ted's notebook or he comes on the grid walk or after the after the race with Simon or whatever, I, I, I sit and I want to hear what he has to say. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I think I'd agree with that and probably possibly think about the reasons why that is are, are along the same lines, really, in that um, time has, has mellowed the whole team and my outlook to them. Yeah. Um, and I, the driver lineup, I think, I, you know... What it's you, a cracking lineup, it's isn't a, it? It is. And I think uh, if Max continues in the way that he is now uh, and being a lot less petulant and a bit more steady um, in in his in his racing, then there's no reason why that team shouldn't be a two number one driver team um, and work well and it not end up being another Vettel Weber. Um, Neither of those two will will accept me and Mark Weber. You know, I don't think. If if and that's I, I, that's no disrespect to Mark because Mark Webber had a great career. You know, he won a lot of Grand Prix, but he, he spent five years in that team where it was abundantly clear that he was a number two driver. If, if if Ricardo or Max spend a season to a season and a half in that position, they'll they'll go. I think they'll move on. I think that's the nature. I think either one of them will will move on. And I so, think that was that was the problem with that Webber had was that where else was he going to go? Exactly. At that point, he was he was stuck in the um, uh, in the trap of of being in the best car um, and going. You know, he wasn't going to be. He probably wouldn't even have been picked up for a Ferrari drive, who were no. who were generally the second best team, um, or a McLaren drive. They weren't going to pick him up as a driver. So where did he have to go that was going to give him yep. any kind of chance? Well, he didn't. Whereas I think with Danny yeah. Rick. Any of the other teams would choose to pick him up. So, so if yeah. Red Bull doesn't treat him well, Ferrari would definitely have him. I think Mercedes would definitely have him. I'm sure McLaren would have him if you know if they if they're up that sharp end of the thing. There's not a team out there that's going to go. Hmm, Danny Ricciardo is past his prime, and you know I can't see yep. a future in him as a driver. Uh, and Max Verstappen is even younger. So again, you know they they've obviously at pains to put him into the the top team as soon as possible and secure him for as long as possible. So. Um, I think they're they're in a position now where you know either driver could have a legitimate claim to probably be able to walk into most teams uh, if they made themselves available um, in the way that when, Seb made himself available for Ferrari. When Mark was at was at Red Bull, like you say, he's looking down the grid there, and and there wasn't any slots. The way each other, the way the rest of the teams were were booked at that time was you know Ferrari had Alonso and Massa, and obviously Massa's had his issues, but at the time he was quite entrenched in the DNA of the Ferrari team mm-hmm. and, and that's the same for a lot of the teams they had a lineup there that was, was solid whereas now you look at it and you say well look at Ferrari, if, if one of the Red Bull guys wanted out, well, Kimi isn't going to be around much longer than a season or two longer at the most there'd be a space there, look at McLaren you've got Alonso probably not going to be around much more than a season or two you look at um, even Mercedes, you know, the relationship between Lewis and, and Nico has never been exactly bulletproof, there's always been Rumors and whispers of would one of them leave to, for the sake of the overall team, so there might there might even be an opening there. So uh, uh, the situation definitely lends itself to one of those guys moving on, should they want to. Now, at the moment, I don't see why 
there would be a need for that to be the case, but it would be certainly, uh, you know, something that 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 either driver would would have open to them should should it should it get to that stage. I really really hope, and I never thought I'd hear myself say this: Red Bull bring a proper car next season, a, a championship winning, challenging car, and see and see what like the two drivers can do in a proper dogfight with with the Mercedes up front week to week race to race where they're genuinely competitive because that could make for brilliant television you know Lewis and Max in equal machinery going at it toe to toe with something mouth watering you know throw Danny Rick in there throw Nico in there that's what that that would be excellent you know Uh, it's it's what the sport needs really to to recapture itself you know in a in the era of, of pay TV walls and um, you know declining attendance at, at, at Grand Prix, we need a season where we where we need four drivers battling it out race to race, um, and any one of the four has a chance of winning. Um, and if it's Red Bull, that's that's you know that's okay. And if it's Ferrari, that's okay. If it's McLaren, it's better for me. But do you know what I mean? Whichever team it's going to be, that's going to bring the car that makes Mercedes have to think twice in a race, and uh, unlike what they're doing now, which is kind of occasionally altering a strategy by a lap or two just to cover off somebody. Yeah. Um, that That's what we need. Um, you know, we, we need Mercedes to be fearful of teams um, to make the, the racing good and, and, and make it a, a real spectacle. Absolutely. Next year, we keep saying it. Twenty seventeen, few regulation changes. Let's uh, let's hope that's what we get. So, uh, Red Bull won two. That in the end, uh, obviously they come out after the the Lewis uh, failure and the the virtual safety car. They're on similar strategies. They can't really uh, make a difference. Uh, Max is, can't make a difference to Ricardo there, so Ricardo manages to take the victory. Max is second. First Red Bull won two of the hybrid era. Uh, given how many say, that they had, really. given how many that they had in the V8 era, that's uh, that's something, isn't it? First red, first one two. I mean, I remember there was a time in my life where I thought I would see nothing but one twos for Red Bull <laughs> for the the rest of eternity. So, yeah, I mean, like I've already we've already spoken about. Well, well done, well done to them. Uh, third place, comeback man. Yeah, from, from I, back, I kn- of the, back of the field. It was. I think it was probably slightly missed in all of the um the commotion about everything else but um nico got back to the front very very quickly um he did crack a job of sliding through the pack and yeah all, I mean, that mercedes is obviously world class we all know it. it's probably the best formula one car of all time you could argue but yeah it did a great job of, of coming through the pack because we've all we've always said what's the one thing that we don't like about the mercedes it's following in, yeah. in traffic so yeah, uh, it did a it did a cracking job, and even if Lewis hadn't blown uh, hadn't blown up, if he'd finished fourth, you'd have had to have said Russell, great drive by Nico, and mm. damage limitation. You know, well done. You know, given given the incident at the first corner that yeah. put there. So, what did you what did you make of that anyway? Uh, Sebastian, I was Max, Nico, sandwich. Uh, sorry, in what way? <laughs> What did you did you who was to blame? Was it Vettel's fault or Max Oh in the first Vettel? corner, sorry. Yeah. Ma- um, Max seemed to Max seemed to blame uh it's Vettel. Sebastian and then Vettel seemed to defend himself and say yeah. that there was a gap and, and you know It's exactly the same thing that happened in Belgium when it and that was that was Max's fault for putting his car in a place 
in a space that was always going to disappear. Yep. Uh, and Vettel did the same because he was never going to come out fully ahead of the Red Bull. So he was always going to be pinched. And um, although, you know, in a way, Nico was doing what Vettel did um, in in Belgium, in a way, got, got and was coming, coming set, in yeah. to squeeze the sandwich, essentially. Um, uh, yeah, it was, uh, again, it's exactly what we said about Max the summer, the same thing, was is that, you, you know, you can't win the race on lap one, but you can lose it, and uh, essentially that's what it was. Is he, went, he went for a gap that probably was not very sensible, given how close he had to get to the apex of the corner to, to make it work, and how he was always probably going to come out of the corner hard, um, straight into the path where other cars were doing a more normal turn, so he was he was kind of inviting the contact, and uh, the invitation was um, uh, accepted by <laughs> Nico Rosberg, who probably didn't even think that there was going to be a Ferrari where he was putting his car yeah. with 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 reasonable probably um, you know uh, reasonable um, what's the word I'm looking for. You know, uh, he 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 wouldn't have had to have expected a Ferrari to be that far up the inside of the corner as he was coming straight back across to take the. No, I mean you've seen it when you saw the onboard shot from Nico. You know, he's the Ferraris and the Red Bull. They aren't even in his vicinity. You know, it's he he gets tagged from behind and he has no expectation of of them being there, like you say. So I mean, I'm I generally do agree in the sense in the same way as similar to Belgium. What we said about Max is probably true for Vettel here. At the same time, as as much as I said that, I don't like to see first corner incidents penalised. That was and... weird. That was weird because uh, Verstappen didn't get a penalty for it. Um, Vettel's got a three-place three grid drop, drop, which seems incredibly excessive, given doesn't... that essentially he didn't finish that race, whereas Max Verstappen got to finish the race that he did exactly the same thing. So, you know, yep, I, I'm not. I'm not up for. How many times have we said it, you know, over the years? So I'm not the first corner instance. I think unless you can deliberately say that it was clear that somebody was forcing somebody like completely off the road. Yeah, exactly. You know, they can't punish. I don't like to see any little crash, any little bump punished. You know, this is Formula One motor racing. We want to encourage moves. And yeah, Vettel was probably shouldn't have went for that gap. Like you say, he's lost him. He's he's taken himself out of the race. He's not going to win the race there, but he's certainly lost it for himself. That's punishment enough, you know. I don't want to see first corner instance punished. Formula One is extremely difficult, you know. Driving these cars is extremely difficult. We can't, like, you know, especially twenty of them going into an ever tightening gap in a first corner. We, uh, yeah, I'm not up for that being punished. If it, uh, later on in the race, Nico Rosberg's move on Kimi Raikkonen, for example, more open to punishment for that style of overtake because of the nature of what it was. He literally barged his way through and, and moved the car out the way um, in a one-on-one battle. But in a first corner incident, when there's 20 of them all concertina and into the first corner, all it takes is a locked brake or someone to outbreak themselves and they've touched somebody else. You know, it, it's not, I'm not, I'm not up for having them be punished. I'm sorry. No, uh, although I have to say that I think uh, the 10-second time penalty on Nico was uh, actually kind of harsh. Harsh um, as well, yeah. I mean, uh, and it's only I can, I can because... I both ways for it, you know. It, 
and but you know people are just going to disagree and at this point i don't really care if they disagree or not it's just a general feeling i think about that move it was it was rude maybe even extremely rude um but it wasn't dangerous to me do you know what i mean he he was going into a a slow corner breaking late and was taking the corner normally didn't spear off into the side of Kimmy he didn't t-bone him um you know they they essentially kind of bumped wheels and and knocked a bit of um a bit of sideboard off um and okay yeah so we, we you know you don't want to encourage contact so don't get me wrong here I'm not saying ah great we should have bumper cars every single week but it felt like a kind of just a really good aggressive move um that unlike some of the other stuff that he's done during the season wasn't um a sheer desperation i have no idea what else i'm going to do so i'm going to do this and see what happens um or where he straight lined some of the co- the corners to try and run people wide or anything like that um he just felt I think that he could break later and get into the corner first, which essentially he did. Now the fact that it was so late and Kimi Räikkönen might, might not well have ex, you know expected to have seen it happen. Well, that's the thing. If I, Kimi I think, uh, sees it coming, if Kimi sees it coming, he, he he probably gets out of the way. Yeah. And and there's no contact and there's probably probably no penalty. So yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it's. Uh, I just didn't like it. I, I just felt like it was kind of like, well, we're going to start getting to the point where anytime you overtake and there's any kind of closeness at all, we're going to start handing out penalties. And it's, um, then we're just encouraging people not to go for overtaking moves. And, yeah. You know, all, if you wanted overtake- to give them penalty points, maybe. If you want to say after the race, you get two penalty points for this because we feel it's, you know, it's not bad enough to penalise you during the race. Everybody carried on. Do you know what I mean? And that was that. And I know Kimmy had damage and he said his floor on it. That's why he couldn't have fought back. But I don't think he could have fought back anyway. So I kind of feel that was a bit of an excuse. Um, but I, I I kind of feel like that's the better way to do it. Is to give penalty points, let them add up, and then somebody's going to take a, an, an accumulated punishment for too many indiscretions but it doesn't ruin the race or stop people doing things in a race to try and get points um yeah i can i can i can see that that would be a fair fair way of doing it and i I mean if you do discourage this type of overtake then all you're going to get then is every single pass in a race will be drs straight yeah drs straight overtake before the first corner is even there and you're just you're not going to have any kind of good wheel-to-wheel action in the twisty bits you know and that's not what we want, you know. That's not what we want to encourage. So, yeah, I mean, like I say, I could, it was aggressive. I'm not surprised that they punished it. But, yeah, I think I'm like yeah, I'm a little disappointed, but not surprised. Cause no. In the, the end, what, what, that's the way everyone's going at the moment. In the end, Nico neutralised the penalty anyway, and yeah. that made me feel less unhappy about it because I was just like, well, all right. It gave it gave Kimmy a chance to stay within ten seconds of him potentially and and see if he got the place back. But I don't think he ever was going to damage floor or not. I think that Mercedes would have just been faster to the end of the race um, overall. So that's that's my take on it anyway. Um, so Kimmy is fourth then. Um, 
disappointed by Ferrari this this weekend? Um, obviously disappointed to be so far behind the Red Bulls. Maybe frustrated that Sebastian <laughs> binned it, binned it in the first corner. Because I've said a few times, I think Sebastian's good for a a good. 15, 20 seconds over a race distance better than than Kimi, if, if, if all things are equal. Um, so I think Sebastian would have been closer up to the Red Bulls, but probably would have been difficult to, to finish ahead of them, ultimately. Uh, yeah, a bit disappointing, I guess. Uh, I think in the euphoria of Nico taking the championship lead to 23 points, I'd kind of forgotten about the Ferraris this weekend, actually. Yeah, it, uh, was which bit... kind of possibly sums up the weekend. Uh, Seb's out of the first corner, and Kimi's had a pretty nothing race in fourth, uh, other than the contact with uh, Nico. That was about the only thing that I can really remember from his race. He's not competing with the Red Bulls, and he's a street ahead of everything behind him, so he's just kind of existed there in fourth or third, depending on whether Nico could... Uh, neutralise the penalty so yeah a bit of a nothing weekend which is disappointing given how well they went here last year when, when Sebastian won the race uh, yeah we're kind of saying the same things week in week out a little bit they've looked good in Singapore and then back to not being so good here I don't know I mean it is where they are I guess at the end of the day maybe some tracks are better than the Red Bulls and some tracks are not and that's kind of been the way it's gone the last season or two. This was obviously just not not one of their not one of their strongest weekends. But ultimately, until they can start competing with the Mercedes, uh, I'm not. There's not there's not much difference between coming second or third. You know, I want them to be at the top. So yeah, it is what it is. Yeah, I think that's kind of my my take on their race weekend. It just ended up being what it was. Um, yeah. Fifth place, Valtteri Bottas for Williams in probably his best race and Williams best race really for a little while did he um I think he did a silly strategy I was just gonna say didn't he do um did he start he on the stopped. mediums or something yeah so he one stopped yeah he um I think he started on the mediums and then went to hard and was able to just ring it out and and I'm not sure about Perez but Perez finished a couple seconds back in sixth and I think he did probably... he definitely uh, I think he he might well have done um, something odd as well. Um, I have a feeling Valtteri, he... Valtteri definitely did, and 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 that's a huge position for them, given uh, the kind of decline that that they've been going through uh, over the last few few months. Because the the Force Indias have really asserted themselves almost as as the fourth best team in the game at the moment, which you wouldn't have thought possible at the start of the season, given the sort of, how many times have we talked about Force India's budget? And I know Williams don't exactly have infinite resources that they maybe once did in yesteryear, but you'd have certainly had them down as being comfortable fourth place ahead of the Force India's, and and, and that's not the case. That's not the case one little bit. So... A good result for Valtteri. I'm just having a quick look at the tire strategy. I've just, yeah. I've just got it here. So yeah. Valtteri did, yeah. did medium and hard. Uh, Perez did soft, medium and hard, which was interesting. So he did um, a uh, two-stop strategy. 
Um, whereas everybody else ended up doing a three stock strategy in the yeah. main. Um, it's amazing that there was some people doing threes and. Uh, Julian Palmer there's... was the only other person that did a. Oh no, he wasn't the only other person. There were a couple of others that. Um... Oh yeah, I see. Palmer made the the similar strategy to Valtteri yeah. work. Then he's come out on the hard. He's rung it out for a massive first stint, and then then tried to make the soft. the soft go. Yeah, yeah. So it, I mean, uh, Palmer will get onto him, but he had a good race as well. So mm. it looks like the guys trying out the one stoppers and coming from for further back on the grid is that's kind of worked out. You know, it's funny. I'd because... like to see that more. Yeah, that's the only thing that we've we've been lacking this season is that. Um... Most of the other stops where, you know, where there's no really hard tyre choice, the teams have used the same two compounds, just maybe in slightly different orders. And it was really nice to hear this time was that, you know, across the top 10, you know, all three tyre choices were used. And, um, Mm -hmm. you know, it wasn't that somebody said, ah, well, you know, you've brought the hard tyre, but nobody's going to use it. It's rubbish. Um, You know, everybody used it. And then the mediums were like useful at certain points during the race. The virtual safety cars have played a part because they've forced people to True. stop at different times. But having said that, in the top five or six, you've got the winner of the race has two stopped, the third, fourth, uh, second, third, and fourth are three stopped, and then the fifth has one stopped. Yeah. So you've got three different strategies in the top five there, which is what you want to see, you know. And obviously, like I said, the safety cars played a part, but you know, it, it just makes makes it for an interesting viewing because you never really quite know who's going to be doing what and it's what's going to work out and it kind of keeps you going and towards the back end of the race and, and, and it all unfolds and some people will hate that you know i know people like formula one fans who oh i don't want to see it one in the pit lane or i don't want to see it about strategy fair enough i love the strategy it's what it gets me up I, I love fuel strategy back in the day and now with these three tires different compounds week to week i want to see guys like bottas and perez etc do a bit wacky strategies and then see what happens because that's interesting to me I, I I love that aspect of Formula One. So great to see Valtteri have a have a good uh, have a good race there. Because if you look at the people around him, Max stopped on lap nine. Nico stopped on lap nine. Perez stopped on lap nine. Alonso stopped stopped on lap nine. Hulkenberg button lap nine. Valtteri lap twenty nine for his first <laughs> stop. So he's he's had a first stint that's three times longer than seven or eight drivers around him. You know, and Julian the same first stint thirty one laps. Yeah, know? it was mega. It's, it's 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 interesting. It makes it it makes it interesting when you're yeah. watching you know, to see what these guys are going to be able to do and things and where it's all going to pan out. And I think the interesting thing was is that it meant that um, the race was ever evolving. You know, you'd see somebody down somewhere, and then suddenly, by the time a load of pit stops had worked out, they'd yeah. ended up with track position. You were just like, oh, well, that didn't seem like that was going to happen before all the the pit stops went out. Like Max, you know, was sort of so far down, and you were just thinking, well, that's the end of his race, painting on lap nine. Um, for me, and Nico it, you know, as well. You were like, oh, well, they've all had to do that because they've had such you know crappy starts to the race. But um, and suddenly there were points where they were well ahead of everybody else. You're thinking, oh, this is going to work out for them. Do you know what I mean? It, it certainly made it. Max certainly looked like he might have had the right a, strategy. Yeah. The, there was a point in where I thought he was going to win the race. Max Verstappen, you know, uh, whilst Lewis, even whilst Lewis was still in, I thought Max had got it right. And that's that's what I like to do throughout a race when I'm watching it. As I like to try and figure out as it's moving on, as the race progresses, who's in the best shape in that? And I'm, and I'm figuring, that, figuring that out as I go, as are the teams, you know, as are the strategists on the pit wall trying to figure out what the best strategy is. I like to try and figure that out as I go, as I watch, which is why I've been so vocal about how much I'm enjoying this change to the tyre regulation this year, because last year, for the last three or 
four or five years. I've not had any interest. There's been no fun strategies in F1, and this has definitely brought it back. Mm. So big thumbs up on that aspect, and well done to Valtteri for finally getting a decent result for the Williams team. <laughs> uh, and Sergio in behind him in sixth. Again, that, that Force India, you know, you say what you like about about them, but they're they're plugging on there and they're doing they're having an absolutely brilliant season. I don't know, I'd need to check the numbers, but is this probably the most successful Force India season of all time? Um, I would be surprised if it wasn't. It'd be interesting to see about some of the ones um where they had the pop up results of uh podiums and stuff, but yeah. You'd have thought it feels like it's the most consistent season they've certainly had for a while. They they have been in that sort of um, seventh, eighth, sixth, sometimes uh, maybe ninth, the odd time um, area the whole the whole season, rather than sort of maybe starting well and and tailing off. Um, they've sort of maintained and been able to keep up the car development this season, and uh, what the car that they've been bringing has been good at most tracks and. That's just unusual for a Force India. They're always there. We, I mean, we've said it more times than it's probably worth mentioning, but you know, we've always thought of them as the spotty team, the team that, that turns up for, you know, uh, five of uh, five or six of the the twenty to twenty one races a season. Um, They've been so consistent this year, uh, certainly since well, even at the start of the season, there was a bit scrappy. They only got one points finish in the first few races, but then since then, you know, it's every weekend you expect the Force Indias to be. Q1 and qualifying, and then points going positions. Yep. And nine times out of ten, they've done that. I've just had a quick look at their points totals. 2014 was their highest on 155. They have currently 124. Oh, wow. So they should. Grand, uh, sorry, five Grand Prix to go. So you'd be pretty hopeful that they should have their most successful season. Yeah. The, only, the caveat to that is that this season has two extra Grand Prix as 2014. So it's always difficult to... Yeah. to truly analyze these kind of things. But, you know, at face value, 155 is their most successful season, and uh, they should beat that, hopefully, mm. all things being equal. So, yeah, well done, the Force Indians. I like that team. They're the plucky underdog that I can't... I'm, I'm never unhappy if the no. Force Indians have a good weekend. No, know. absolutely. Um, so, sandwiched in between the two... Um, well, I guess sandwiched in, in between and around... Uh, the Force Indies with the McLarens um, in a race that I really didn't think was going to suit them. Um, yeah, did I? Big two, massive long straights. You know, you had it flagged up right away as a not a McLaren friendly track, yet here we are. Double points finish. Uh, and Fernando Alonso starting dead last on the grid as well. <laughs> um, did you see his start? He didn't make up a bunch of places. He started like 22nd. He made. He was up to um, uh, I think 11th or 12th by the by the second corner. It just basically it looked like a video game. He just sort of just, <laughs> just weaved his up. way in between everybody and then around ni- the spinning Nico Rosberg on the outside of the corner and just sort of popped up. The only person who had a better start, a start possibly was Esteban Ocon, who got up to 10th from... Um, yeah, I did see that. I did see his start, yeah. <laughs> it, was, um, it was mental. Um, and, uh, you know, as, as we said, I think if it hadn't been for the, the last virtual safety car, I think Jensen might well have finished ahead of Alonso. Um, he he pitted two laps before the virtual safety yeah. car, so yeah. all of his advantage was essentially wiped out um, at that point. And so um, Alonso and Hulkenberg were able to get ahead of him on track where he he probably rightly should have been. But I still thought it was a good race from Jensen, and I, and I think um, to be sat there legitimately racing the Force Indias um, and you know not feeling like you were just waiting for the Mercedes engine to just breeze past them all the time. 
he's a massive, um, massive, massive leap forward from where they were at the start of the season. Um, they they brought the parts in um, that Alonso tested in free practice. Looked like they were good. Car was running well. They're they're more about reliability than overall speed. But if the car's more reliable, you can probably run it a bit faster, like for longer. So uh, and there was some lightness stuff in there. So again, that'll help with fuel efficiency and all the bits and pieces. And it just feels that every race, the McLaren just is getting a little bit better and a little bit less out of its depth compared to you know the other engines around <laughs> it. Because um, I think the car's there, and that that's good to see as well. And I think I think most neutrals would be happy to say. You know that, that that McLaren needs to be, you know, fighting in the mix. Uh, whether they'd want them to win races or not, you know, is is down to them. But I think people would be hard to begrudge a team like McLaren to be in, you know, in the top ten, fighting hard properly. And they're, they're they are sleeping giant, there. aren't they? They're sleeping giant. You know, they're. It was like when Williams were in the doldrums for those five or six seasons. This is a team that's probably won as many Grand Prix as anybody, uh, any team around. I'm not sure who holds the record for most constructive victories, actually. I need to look that up. But McLaren will certainly be up there if it is I think it's Williams, r- randomly, I think. Yeah, it might well or be. Or yeah. No, surely it's Ferrari, actually. Sure, it's got to be Ferrari, isn't it? Well, Ferrari had a lot of bad, a lot of bad in years <laughs> in the 80s, man. That's true. <laughs> that is true. Uh, so I know Williams sure. and McLaren are right up there anyway. Exactly, and that's the point. You know, We want to see these teams doing well you know it's good for the game essentially and even as a ferrari fan you know it's good i want to see fernando alonso he's one of my favorite drivers of all time i want to see him scrapping out for wins not dragging it from last up to seventh as brilliant (laughs) as brilliant as a drive as it was and it was another classic fernando drive i want to see him win races get podiums and battle it out with like like fernando alonso and max verstappen you know and equal machinery battling it out fernando alonso and you know um Danny Ricardo, because these are guys, these are young drivers coming through to the front at F1 that we haven't had a chance to see Alonso really fight with because he's been towards the back. So we want to see that. Um, yeah, uh, but yeah, you know what? An, an excellent drive. What can you say? <laughs> to take it from last to to seventh in a in a car that isn't going to be entirely favoured by the big power straights. He's, he can make a claim for Fernando Alonso still being the best in the business. You really could. Uh, happy day, Kalu Kalei. Julian Palmer scored a point today. Um, well done, Julian. Honestly, <laughs> I know we've given him so much stick, but well done. I'm really, really pleased for him. Cause it, he's been he had spe- a terrible qualifying as well. It wasn't like he... You see the grid walk? Because Brundle interviewed him and, and he said that. That was the first thing Julian said was, yeah, he was. He, I think he, he used the word rubbish. He just said, it was, I was rubbish in qualifying. Uh, yeah, what can you say about Julian? Is he going to keep his seat? Probably not. But um, I'm really—he's been talking a lot on the grid, and you know, after the race and stuff, he's been getting a lot of airtime to, to chat away. And he seems like such a genuine, good guy. And I'm, I can couldn't have been happier for him. Even though I'm not not a Renault fan in particular, I don't don't have any ties to that team. But well done, Julian. Really pleased. Yeah, I, I think it, it, it's nice to see him. Get get that point, especially if it does end up being his his only F one one season. There are so many people who come into F one, get a drive, and never do anything with it. Um, that him getting that point, if that's the only thing that happens to him, at least he can say, well, you know, I'm I know I was good enough to score points in Formula One. That's you know, that's more than 
ninety percent of the drivers of GP two will ever get a chance to do. You yep. know, um, he's he's at least shown himself to be a a viable driver. I think in in one or another, especially um, you know he's he's had a tough season because Magnussen has been very good all season generally, um, and that's that's a lot of pressure to put on. Uh, you know, coming into Formula One for your first season, especially after having been out of driving really since his GP2 win it takes a lot to be able to keep on doing that this season and I think showing a form of resilience you know it, it's what helps you keep your drives you know it's, it's the kind of thing that helped Gutierrez keep his drive was after being seemingly outclassed in all of his things he always seems to come back strong at the you know at the right time in the season to make people go ah, maybe maybe it's worth you know thinking about him uh and do I think if, if if Jolien can do it, he at least gives himself the chance to retain that seat. Do you think there's any possibility that Renault might just go, you know what, same lineup again, consistency for next season, or do you think it's an absolute sure thing that they'll they'll change their lineup? It feels like it's a done deal, but it's hard to say. I can't. The the problem is I've started to see people suggesting that somehow there will be a complete change at Renault and they won't even hold on to Magnussen. And if they do that, then they're, they're mental. They're insane. They're there absolutely... is nobody else on the grid that they can they can reasonably get that's going to be better than Kevin Magnussen and have a better future right this second. Um, that will annoy me more than a lot of things in Formula 1 have annoyed me over the years. That will be right up there just for sheer team foolishness. Yeah. That will, that will, that will, that will particularly irritate me <laughs> i mean at least the least thing you could say that at mclaren when they got rid of him was that they quite clearly had two drivers who were better to have in the car than him at that point in time having jensen button and found out on alonso in the car was clearly going to be a more desirable combination i, I said at the time uh, that when that change was made at, at mclaren that that i agreed with that decision i thought that was the correct decision to put jensen and fernando in the car renault will not be making the correct decision if they don't retain Kevin Magnussen as far as I'm concerned. Unless they can get like two legitimate world champion drivers. Some then no, which obviously isn't going to happen. So, you know, unless they turn up with uh, Jensen Button and I don't know who's not who's out of a job that's that's good. Mark Webber or something, I don't know. No, um, it's 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 got to be Magnussen, and if they if they do if they change it for somebody like Ocon, and with all due respect to Ocon, he's he's he only had a race or two. I don't know whether he's going to be a long term Formula One driver or not. But if they change it for someone like that, because what he's he's a home a home driver for the French team, or if it, some some wishy washy reason like that, where as opposed to the guy who has clearly shown ability, then. That will just it will bug me. It will really bug me. And I, I'm not like I said a minute ago. I'm not even particular, no particular fan of Renault or anything like that these days. But yeah. Um, Carlos Sainz Junior. is uh, the first uh, of the non-scorers in eleventh, um, ahead of Marcus Ericsson, Amazingly, in the um, in the Sauber. Um, not quite. Not quite sure what happened to Felipe, who finished uh, behind those two. Uh, he that... had the puncture, didn't he? Oh, is that right? He, oh, yeah. he I think he had some damage, and so pitted immediately for... Um, let's have a look, because it should be on this. Oh, yeah, he's pitted on lap one and lap five, Yeah, uh, according to this. So... He put on the hard tyres and then had a puncture. He got a puncture off of somebody else's debris within three laps. 
that's uh, yeah, that's pretty grim stuff for Felipe, and that explains why he's down there. When uh, Valtteri's obviously had a a cracking race up in fifth, I kind of wondered what what happened to Felipe. Then. Yeah. But, uh, uh, as we've, uh, you know, it's Felipe Massa, isn't it? Everything that goes wrong will go wrong to Felipe Massa. So, poor guy, you know, going on his retirement tour, last few races, final race at Malaysia. He's never been on the podium there, and uh, he's not going to be now. So, hmm. uh, Danny Fiat then follows uh, Felipe Massa uh, ahead of uh, Pascal Wehrlein and Esteban Ocon in the manners. Which I think rounds off everybody because I think everybody after that is a retirement, isn't it? Yeah, we've got a few DNFs this week. Um, we lost Felipe Nazza. Um, I can't remember why we lost Felipe Nazza. Did he just retire? I have absolutely no idea. <laughs> it's bizarre. The, that Sauber is really odd because you see like Marcus Ericsson <laughs> up in like twelfth place, and you think, "Where's that all suddenly kind of come come from?" Um, uh, I don't. I don't know. It's maybe they're pouring all the money into his car because Felipe Massa doesn't seem to be having in the world's best luck uh, at the moment. Um, Lewis, we obviously have talked about um, extensively. Uh, Gutierrez uh, retired, I think, just near the end, didn't he? Um, did he pull? He pulled off to the side, I think. Did he pull off at the same time as... No, he didn't pull off at the same time as Magnussen. I can't remember now. He retired just a lap before Hamilton, um, so I'm not 100%. I was going to say, I'm sure it was around the same time as somebody else, but... Um, oh, yeah, because he... Uh, yeah, he got caught up in the first lap stuff that ultimately took Magnussen out, didn't he? That was the... That was it. Um, I was trying to remember why, because he pitted on lap one. There was a few of them that pitted on lap one, yeah. There was... Um... Fiat pitted on lap one as well. Yeah. So. Well, that was the sandwich, wasn't it? I think it was Gutierrez in front, Magnussen in the middle, and then uh, Kvyat came in at the end. Um, in the end, uh, yeah, I don't think well, Magnussen and Gutierrez both uh, both didn't make it home, did they? No. Uh, Grosjean with yet another brake failure. Which yeah, that was a dodgy one. Scary. He just went steaming straight on into the last... Uh, you could, it's, it's scary when you can see them go ping like that, yep. where the car wobbles at the front because something's gone bang and it's the fact smashed it's not the steering one, around. The fact that it's not an isolated incident no. is what is a concern. Yeah, definitely. Because um, that's not temperatures or track or something has caused it to go ping. That's an underlying issue that's causing it to consistently have failures and that's much more pressing. So the Haas has had a very good season uh, and then it first year in F1 more than we could ever imagine but that kind of thing they need to be let's see how they do how they progress from from that there's, you know there, there, there's a lot of issues that are now starting to crop up for them how they progress and amend those issues and then kick on into their second year is is the test now so hopefully you know Grosjean's a good guy to have in the team to assist that development so hopefully we get we, we you know we see improved performances from them, and then the last retirement is uh, Seb. <laughs> <laughs> the first retirement, in fact. Less said about that, the better. Not his first time this season. He's been out on lap one. I think actually it's the f- at least the third. I think he was out on lap one when Danny Fiat took him out, and I'm pretty sure he's been out on lap one another time. Other than that, so that's a bit frustrating as a Ferrari fan, but. Mm-hmm. 
And as a Sebastian Vettel fan, you know, he's a brilliant Formula One driver. I want to see him fighting in races. And a little bit too often this season, he's been getting caught up in incidents. So less of that, please, Sebastian, moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. So I was just reading some of the um, the radio transcripts. Something we, we missed. Um, it was interesting. Again, if we're, if we're talking about conspiracy theories and stuff. Uh, lap 47, Nico says, give me strat three. And Nico is told, stand by Nico, we're thinking about it relative to the other car's failure. So if they're blowing up the car remotely, they're certainly not going <laughs> to stop the other car from using whatever strat mode it, it wants to. So. Yeah, because what ultimately ended up happening was they said no. And then he said two laps of it. I yeah, think, and then the, the, the negotiated, I think, and said, "Okay, two laps, go get the gap." And Nico went and, and got the gap, and then that and then had it. to go back to standard because he couldn't, you so. know. But then Kimi was easing off at that point. I think anyway, I had his own, like you know, I think he took he took the bump from Nico, and I think Kimi quickly accepted that fourth was his um, where he was going to finish. Just to go back to what we were talking about earlier, most constructor uh, individual race victories is Ferrari. 224. And constructors championships? Constructors championships, uh, I think, is Williams. I was going to say, I thought it was Williams. I need to double check that one. But I'm pretty sure it's Williams. Just while you're doing, doing that, so I've just caught a, a ready message that I missed or I didn't hear was uh, Jensen Button saying one day we'll get some luck maybe next year <laughs> oh no it's uh, that's, that's classic Jensen it seems to be for I think it's Ferrari again actually is it really I'm, I've massively massively underestimated how much Ferrari have won I think um, yeah there, there seem to be streets ahead of of Williams uh, 2000 yeah yeah 16 Williams are nine and second seven seven places so I, 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 as a Ferrari fan I should uh, should be giving myself a telling off for that I massively uh, underestimated how many how many individual races and constructor championships they've won but they're top of both uh, 224 race victories McLaren are second uh, and Williams are third interestingly uh Fifth and sixth on the list are the two new kids on the block, Mercedes and Red Bull. So they're uh, they're coming, they're coming for the old boys, so to speak. Yeah. Okay, okay. So that was the Malaysian Grand Prix. Um, I think, as we said, very very enjoyable, really, wasn't it? That. Um... I'll be honest. Yeah, that my enjoyment of it was. Uh, if, if Lewis hadn't had his engine failure, I'd have had a terrible time. <laughs> uh, Fair Nico, enough. At least you're honest. Nico would have finished um, fourth. And you know, been what would that have made it? 30, yeah, there'd have been a 13-point swing. So Lewis would have went back to the top of the standings by a point or two. I think maybe five points. So I'd have been disappointed and grumpy and annoyed and all the I'd have been coming on and I'd have been cursing Sebastian for ruining Nico's race and all of that kind of stuff. I'm so easily affected by a sporting result. It could ruin it could ruin or make my day. Uh, and on Sunday I'll be the first to admit that it made my day. So um yeah, I'm happy. I want Nico Rosberg to win this World Championship. I'm not neutral. I don't work for the BBC. I don't have to not take sides. I take sides. I want Nico Rosberg to win the World Championship. So I'm I'm happy. And I'm happy because Mexico's coming up. Uh, Interlagos is coming up. Japan's at the weekend. 
less so Japan, but particularly Mexico and into Lagos, I think, will suit Nico. So I'm hopeful that just a couple of good results there, those two tracks, and then keep it ticking over on the rest. And uh, 23 points is a lot to make up at this time of the season. Yeah, so. I think uh, I think I read somewhere that, in essence, to win the championship from this point, all Nico Rossi has to do, all he says, uh, is win one race and then come second in all, in all the others. So... If that's the case, it, you know, the sooner he gets that one win under his belt, the the sooner he can not be quite so under the yeah. cosh in terms of um, having to having to push harder. Have to, have to push everything, and Lewis is going to have to push things because he's the man chasing. Yep. And as we've seen, at Mercedes isn't reliable, so it's, it's it makes for an absolutely cracking into the season, which is you know that's that's what we want to see as fans of the sport. Interestingly, I think we'd need to pick up with Lewis's engine. Obviously, went pop here. What? Where does that leave him then for parts? That obviously we had the Spa-Francorchamps debacle where he took all the penalties and took all the parts. Where is he with that then? Is that, I think is, that leaves is, him is one full engine unit. I think to get through five races. Yes. So we could be looking at sort of the last race, maybe the second last race, and being a little bit on on edge, maybe. Possibly, it depends what other um, what other engine bits and pieces they can reuse. I think from other other bits and pieces, but I think it puts him much more on level with Nico now. Of course, uh, because after Spy took the extra bits, didn't he? And he ended up being in essence ahead, even though he had been so far behind. Yes, parts, so. but he had two compared to Nico's one, which yep. was was down to do the thing. So I think. I think in essence they'll then they'll end up with something like the same amount of mileage on all the engines, give or take. Lewis's might end up doing a little bit more, but I don't think it'll do um, a lot more because it blew up during the race. So it's I don't know when they were expecting to change them anyway um, before we head into this because they do about four or five races each, don't they? Yeah, I think. Yeah. Oh, they try to. <laughs> yeah. Um, so. Yeah, I, I think it will work out to be fairly similar. It's just whether they um, introduce any updates, which Nico will obviously have access to, and Lewis technically won't, um, because he's got his engine will be the one that he took from Spa, yeah, um, rather course, than yeah. one that's just built new. Cool. Well, um, so yes, yeah, Suzuka next. I'm looking forward to that. I always like Suzuka. It's always a- excellent track. Uh, I hope it rains, but I hope it doesn't rain too much because I don't want it to be called off because <laughs> that is possible. In a place like <laughs> yes, we have been there. Uh, I do like to see a bit of rain. Uh, like you know, it's, it's, I thought we might get it at Malaysia. It's normally one that produces a little bit uh, a bit of weather. Well, uh, if, it, if it isn't, then I hope it's really hot because it, it's such a power circuit. I think we could be. It could be very interesting to see. Um, how the teams tackle that, knowing that they're heading into their, you know, with their last engines of the season. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, uh, and yeah, there's going to be all eyes on Mercedes now um, for reliability. You know, it, it going for the rest of the season now because because of this blow up and because of what Lewis said after the race, we're going to be just constantly looking at that Mercedes saying, "Is it going to go at any moment?" Kind of thing, you know. So all eyes there. Uh, like you say, if it's hot, that could that could adversely affect them. Should be a good one come rain come shine it should be a good race to suka as is one of those classic tracks that i would put in the in the bracket of the circuits i talked about earlier spa and monza etc so uh yeah usually nine times out of ten a good one there yeah absolutely uh although uh early in the morning so i will be recording that and watching yep. it, i think i'll than... be up i'll be up live for <laughs> it but, uh, yeah uh, the youth yeah that's what it is when you when you're young i think i'm uh 
I think I'm heading out on Sunday for a wee day trip, so actually being on in the morning is quite handy. I can watch <laughs> yeah, get yourself up. So, well, that's it. You know, I'm going. Uh, I'm going out to uh, St Andrews, uh, so um, that'll be a couple hours on the train. So in the morning, so hopefully I can just uh, just squeeze the Grand Prix in before I go, and then I don't have to worry about taping it while I'm out. You know, and then coming back and avoiding the result because <laughs> when I watch it recorded on the on, I've, I've, I've recorded that. I hate. I, I can't watch it. Well, I know the result. It just bums me out knowing the result already. So I, I have to avoid Twitter and avoid Facebook and avoid BBC Sport and all that kind of thing. Trying to, trying to to watch it as live, you know. So the fact that it's on early in the morning might actually suit me perfectly. So <laughs> I'll get the alarm clock set and we'll, we'll hope for another good one. Excellent. Well, thank you very much for joining us this week, folks. Um, as always, you can download our episodes from www.lastlappodcast.co.uk. You can find us on Twitter at Last Lap Podcast. You can find us on the Facebook by searching for The Last Lap Podcast. Um, you'll also be able to subscribe to our episodes uh, for immediate download as soon as they're made available on iTunes, uh, on TuneIn, and also on Stitcher. So uh, get yourselves attached to one of those apps uh, and you can be one of the first people to listen to our podcast as soon as it comes out uh, again thank you very much for tuning in we shall see you after Suzuka uh, and we'll let's hope it's another good one cheers then bye 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 bye